I wish I would have had a little bit more coaching or mentoring or someone who was talking to me about, you really need to start getting your name out there and just don't be afraid to talk about what you've done. Don't be afraid to say, oh yeah, you know, I assisted with uh, implementing X, Y, and Z, and this is my part in it, you know, in, in a way that's not boasting, but a way that's more confident and showing that showcasing your skills. Continuing our celebration of Women's History Month with our series of interviews with women in cybersecurity. From CISOs and the lessons they've learned to what the next generation of defenders has to offer, we're bringing you two interviews per week, all month long. How do you advocate for yourself? In survey after survey, women are seen as bossy or conceited in the same context where men are seen as assertive and confident. What's more, while we see more women entering the field of cybersecurity than ever before, there's a gap emerging in the middle where the leap to leadership is made. I'm George Comedy, and this is First Watch. Today, my guest is Jana Moore, CISO at Belron International. I'm joined by Lisa Hayashi, Safeguard Cyber CMO and founder of the Vision and Voice Women in Cybersecurity Community. We wanted to talk to Jana about what she's learned in her career and how to cultivate the skills for the next generation of women cyber leaders. Jana Moore, welcome to First Watch. Thanks, George. It's great to be here with you both. Hey, Jana. Thank you so much. We're excited to have you and really learn a lot about your journey today in cyber. Um, so let's just kick it off and hear about, um, you know, all, all things Jana. What, did, <laughs> what brought you here? Um, and, you know, tell us about yourself and your journey. Yeah, sure. Love to. Um, you know, when I think back, kind of like what got me here, you know, it's been this kind of winding road of experiences. And I'd love to say that there was some, you know, grand plan and that I had this all <laughs> planned out, you know, it, absolutely not true. I mean, it was truly, you know, when I got out of high school, went to college, it was, um, you know, focusing on psychology degree. And that's kind of how I started. And then through a series of jobs that I worked through college. And so through some of those jobs, I was, ex I was exposed to it at the time. And this is back in, you know, early mid nineties. And, um, I think that was kind of this aha moment in my life where I thought, you know, I never even considered a technology type career for myself. And while I wasn't ready to give up on psychology, I allowed myself to kind of um, play around in this IT world through just kind of, you know, taking on additional responsibilities where I was working. So just to give you a little, that's just a little like painting the picture of the background of how this all started. And, you know, when I talk to people who are around my age, I, I they have similar stories of this like mm. non-traditional path into cybersecurity. Right. And, you know, back then we just didn't, you know, I hate saying back then, but back then we just didn't have a lot of cybersecurity degree there. We just wasn't there, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so anyways, long story short is I, I allowed myself to kind of play around in that world. And then as I was wrapping up school, I had to make some decisions on where I was going to go. So I went ahead and took a leap of faith and through some connections that I had made early in that career of kind of dabbling in IT um, they started kind of helping me network and get my name out there and, and putting in a good word for me at some opportunities. And so I was really given some unique opportunities to get involved at companies that 
I, I honestly, I, I didn't have probably the right experience to kind of get that on my own, but because word of mouth and they trusted those mm-hmm. folks, they gave me a shot. And so long story short, you know, I started going around the IT domains, you know, doing infrastructure, doing platform engineering, a lot of engineering roles. And it just unlocked this other side of my brain that just was, I, I enjoyed it. I was satisfied in the work. It was giving me a lot of challenges you know, in, in my career, and I just followed it. And when I moved from company to company, I was actually some pretty large companies, uh, multinational companies back then. When I was moving between them, um, it was intentional. I will say that was intentional to take on mm. a different role, a different responsibility to kind of get me into a different area of IT, um, whether it was Linux on the Unix side, not just straight windows. I was really starting to get myself exposed to some of the networking engineering, like network engineering and really technical things. And so that's where I started 15 years doing that. And then at that point, when I was getting into the network side of things, it kind of led me down into network security, network security engineering, because those are starting to overlap mm-hmm. at the time. And then I just, I pulled that thread and I'm like, okay, I like the security side. You know, I understand a lot of the IT fundamentals and foundational elements. Now let's go secure those. And I think it was a real natural progression for me to get into security. And it's been since I made that jump over probably around, um, you know, 2000, mid early 2000s, maybe 2005, six, seven around there. And then that led me directly into cyber, like proper, like information mm-hmm. security over the years. So, I mean, for me, it was non-traditional in the way that I didn't go to school for it. But I think because I allowed myself to play around and do different things and get exposure and and not afraid to jump from role to role and, and take, you know, a risk, um, it led me to where I am today, which was, which is great. So that's kind of a long, you know, short way of describing my journey, if you will. No, that's great. And I like that you had the playfulness and the curiosity there. And so I want to follow up on that story. We've asked you to speak about yourself. I'm going to ask you to speak about yourself some more. (laughs) Um, I want to, I want to pick up a, a topic that we were discussing offline, which is you, you said you had, you wish you had been less hesitant to speak about yourself. And given that, you know, you said you had this career uh, and back then you were probably one of only a few women in the room. So I I want to give you some space to elaborate on that idea about speaking about yourself. Yeah, I I think that's one of the things that I notice today. That's a it's it's a lot different today in terms of generational and um, being an advocate for yourself. I think for me, the story I just told you, I was um, very fortunate to have some really great mentors, kind of unofficial mentors in early in my career, who, as I mentioned earlier, was kind of, they were putting in some good words for me, getting my name mm-hmm. out there, helping me, you know, uh, find out about some different opportunities. Um, that was not me advocating for myself, you know, so I felt like I was being led kind of through that journey mm-hmm. in a way which wasn't bad. It's not that it's good or bad. It's just is what it is what it is at the time, right? I think today what I see with um, the younger generation coming into the workforce is they are a lot more vocal about, um, you know, they have more of a presence, a brand. They they have social media. They have a way to talk about themselves in a 
methods that we didn't have available to us back then. And so it was really just kind of you had to verbally be talking about yourself and going around and making yourself known to people, which took a lot of effort. And, and honestly, back then, we didn't have a lot of networking opportunities like we do today, especially in Columbus. I mean, you saw, George, when you were here, it was great community. We have a mm-hmm. lot of participation. A lot of people know each other and are pull, you know networking across various areas. But back then, that was not real obvious where those circles were. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I to be fair, that, maybe some of them hadn't even been established. <laughs> totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Maybe it was just kind of like people getting together at the local bar, you know, just kind of talking mm-hmm. about stuff after work, you know, real un- informal, but yeah. So I think for me, I wish I would have had a little bit more coaching or mentoring or someone who was talking to me about, you really need to start getting your name out there and mm-hmm. just don't be afraid to talk about what you've done. Don't be afraid to say, oh, yeah, you know, I assisted with uh, implementing X, Y, and Z, and this is my part in it, you know, in in a way that's not boasting, but a way that's more confident and showing that showcasing your skills. I think, you know, being the the only so a lot, I, you know, very rarely was I on a team with other women. And so Mm -hmm. there was almost like this um, dynamic where it was better for me to kind of just, um, kind of keep my head down and put in the hard work mm. to prove myself so that I can earn the trust of my peers over time. I didn't, I never walked in and had the trust of them immediately or the confidence mm. from them or that they, that they assumed that I knew what I knew. I have right. always had to reprove myself every single job that I had. And so for me, it was keep your head down, do the work, they'll see it over time. And so really talking about yourself and advocating for yourself would have been counterintuitive to that. So I just, that was probably another factor at the time. We'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned all this month as we celebrate Women's History Month with a double dose of First Watch. We're dropping two episodes each week featuring women in cyber from CISOs to first year analysts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to my conversation with Jenna Moore. I want to pull on one thread there. You mentioned that today you see that younger women have, they have channels, social media, things with which to direct that energy. There is also maybe a generational value set change or expectation change. Um, So I want to dig in there and ask you, as it relates to the community of women in cyber, two different perspectives. And the first is, what is the most encouraging change that you've seen since you started? Um, and then follow up with what's been the most frustrating. So just the two sides of this change uh, that you've seen in your career. So I think the most encouraging change is that just the number of women that are now showing up. And mm-hmm. I, I, I so give you an example. Um, I did a lot of college recruiting throughout my career. So I would raise my hand and be kind of on that college recruiting team that would go out to either local colleges or colleges in other states. And when I started doing that, I was there to represent security. And when I would go to those events and and the students would show up to our breakout, it was, you know, 90% male, 10% female when I started. And then with over a probably six year period of me doing that at a particular company, um, as I was handing off that to, to the next person in line to take that over for me, um, it was about 50, 50 in the room at, it was, it was Notre Dame, just to give you a specific example, it was Notre Dame. 
And I was, when I left that, I thought that is an amazing trend to be witnessing, knowing where I came from and what I had to work through and now seeing this evolve at the college level. And so that they're getting in early enough to where they come out and they're prepared to go into the career um, of their choice. So that was, I love that trend. That's very encouraging. And then also once they're out into their jobs, the, um, the social networking aspect of not only just women being there, but the mm-hmm. women supporting the women being there. And, and I love seeing that, that almost safety net of having female, you know, just peers or female mentors or just female friends that you can be with and have kind of that support system um, when you're feeling one way or another, you can bounce it off of each other. I think that's another really encouraging trend that we're helping each other up. We're lifting each other up rather nice. than competing with each other. Right. And um, then, um, and what's the most frustrating? Yeah. Frustrating for me, it's a couple of things. So I, I touched on one of them earlier, which is, um, and I, I hope that that's not the case so much today. Um, but where you come into a role as a female and you have to prove yourself in every role. I hope that you're that today the women are give, being given grace to say, we expect you to know what you know, and, and we trust that you know it. I think that sort of segues really nicely into, into a question that I have for you. And it's around this trend that we see. We know that women are entering into cyber and infosec, um, you know, and we do see, you know, that, that, you know, there's a, a good amount of females in leadership roles right now that have really worked hard and proved themselves over and over again, just like you say. Um, I think what's really interesting is to really talk about and think about what happens now sort of in the middle where, you know, progress um, and ascending is challenging. And what, you know, what do you think um, we should be telling those that are perhaps like middle management, you know, they, they've entered in, they're there, but like, what do they need to know to make a transition into um, more of a leadership role? Um, and maybe where do we invest energy and, and what are the skills that that we need to do that? Yeah, that's a good question. And I see that in the numbers myself, you know, we're looking at the organizational breakdown and, and, and we're seeing numbers, you know, of women leaving the organization once mm. they get to that middle tier and they leave either to take a role that gets them to the next level. It's just for some reason not happening within their organization where they are, kind of that development from within. Um, so I think there's a couple things going on there. But, um, you know, for me, when I talk to women who are aspiring to get to more of an executive role, it it's sometimes, you know, when they come up through the ranks, like we're talking about here, they typically start out a little bit more technical and then they 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 have leadership qualities that push them to the front and start to take on those leadership roles, team leader, manager, etc. Um, and I think where it starts to break down, at least what I've experienced is 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 that to get to the next level of more executive and that directive director VP level, you need to have business acumen. You need to understand business process. You need to understand influence. Um, watching the market. And just having that next level of understanding of mm. the the environment, and what I what I'm wondering is is we're not giving them the right exposure 
to being in those those meetings, being in those situations where at least they can witness it or observe it and watch behaviors and see how it's how others navigate the conversation. You know, a lot of it, too, goes back to the basic relationship building aspect. And and I see that being a barrier for some some women um, where they they have a nice network of kind of where they are and down but they don't necessarily have a good relationship with those at, at above them in, in, in out mm-hmm. across the business. And so, you know, examples like when we, when we start to look at opportunities to expose them to this, the role that I really love that's starting to become more mainstream is the BISO role, the business information yeah. security officer role. And so I actually just had lunch today with a, a good friend of mine and we talked about it because they're going to start looking to do that in their organization. And I implemented that at one of my past organizations. And I think that's a really unique role where you can have, you can come in with some technical background and experience, but if you want to start to really change the conversation and start to broaden out your network, you got to get closer to the business. And so that's a really interesting role that I would encourage anyone to start, you know, considering looking at, looking at how different companies do that. Because a BISO here is not a BISO there. It's kind of what the company needs at the time. So just be aware of those things. But that's a that's a good opportunity to get that exposure. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's just a combination of relationship building, getting yourself out there within your company or in your network, and then getting that exposure and acumen around the business so that you can look at security in a different way and apply it, you know, in terms of business risk. And then that helps them, you know, prioritize, you know, whether it's budget or timing or, you know, accepting the risk and all of those things. I love your answer. And and Jenna, I think what we're so excited about um, with Empower the Next series that Vision and Voice is doing is uh, being able to make sure that the next generation of leaders can be in the room and at the table with those leaders so that you can see and hear and understand the experience and those soft skills necessary to ascend. You might be technically savvy. You might have that all down, but what are those skills that you need to become that leader to, to really progress in your career? And, you know, I think a lot about um, those poor people that have had to sit on Zoom calls for the last two and a half, three years that can't sit in a room and watch how mm-hmm. you know, the CEO is reacting to somebody's comments in a meeting, you know, because cameras are always off or because, you know, so those are the things I grew up learning about um, and watching and seeing that I think shaped me is like, oh, that doesn't work. <laughs> that's a skill I'm not going like, <laughs> to. That's no, it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, you find those leaders when I talk to people about like, you know, when they were asking, how do I find a mentor? And I, I say, you know, before you go and, and start being, you know, just asking everyone, can you be my mentor? who do you admire? Who are you looking at? And you're like, I want to be more like them. And what are those qualities? And then start to, you know, observe their behaviors and model, you know, a little bit of that, you know, behavior. Um, You know, storytelling is another skill. I think that a lot, I mean, recently over the last like five years, I think that that's been a a really important skill that I, I spend time with my team talking about. And just, you know, there's actually, it's funny, my, um, on, a few teams ago, I found these story dice that I, you know, probably on Amazon or something and you roll the dice and it gives you like three words and out of the, you have to take those three words and tell a story, just make up a story. 
And it was just to get them out of their comfort zone and, and on the fly, just kind of impromptu tell a story line about something because, you know, as technologists, we're not used to doing that very often. And if you do want to make the turn and start having different conversations, you really have to focus on what is the story you're trying to tell them? Where, mm -hmm. where, where, where are we now? Where are we going? And how does this apply to our business model? I mean, it, it is storytelling. Yeah. And what's it's the business narrative? Yeah. Yeah. It's a narrative. Yeah. So anyways, that's the other skill I think I call out. Great. Well, um, that is a brilliant place to end. Jenna, thank you for giving us your time, for giving us hope for humanities majors. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I, I've had a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I hope I can meet you in person in the city in San Francisco. Oh, so. for sure. I will definitely look you up. But thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll talk soon. That's it for First Watch today. My thanks to Jana Moore and to my co-host, Lisa Hayashi. To hear more interviews with leaders and more Spotlight episodes, subscribe to First Watch wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, share on your socials or leave us a rating. It helps others find the show. First Watch is a production of Safeguard Cyber with original music by Matias Cefaletti and production help from Jamil Mafi. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong.